Welcome to Words to Live By, a podcast series hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. Each week, we will share some of the wit and wisdom of Ronald Reagan. In essence, Words to Live By, made up of radio addresses and speeches he delivered from the 1960s through the 1980s. So, early this spring, you probably heard that both OPEC and Russia announced a massive oil supply cut, totaling 1.6 million barrels per day. This, of course, raises fears of a resurgence of inflation. And to no one's surprise, oil prices jumped $7 a barrel on the news, as well as continued deterioration of the dollar status as the world's reserve currency. If you filled your car with gas lately, you're still feeling the pain from these inflated gas prices and our government's bad policies. So for today's podcast, I found some radio addresses delivered in 1977 and 1979, yes, by then Governor Reagan, with a perspective that really resonates today. If we are really serious about listening to words to live by, It's sad no one has paid enough attention to these commentaries, but today we shall. But first, a little background. So as you recall, in the late 1970s, remember that the energy crisis was in full swing. The price of gasoline and oil were soaring. People waited in gas lines worried about a shortage of heating oil in the winter. Demands for more energy ran up against serious environmental concerns. Sound familiar? Well, this was almost 50 years ago. And now here's another good one. President Carter, in 1976, warned the American people that we would run out of oil in 30 years if we did not reduce consumption. That's right. He really did that. He also advocated for a strong shift to coal and atomic energy, by the way. But anyway, back to oil and OPEC. This commentary by Ronald Reagan in June of 1977 is a direct response to President Carter's claim that by 2006, we would be out of oil. Let's listen. Maybe what I'm about to say could be called what we should know about oil. Hopefully it'll still some troubled waters. I'll be right back. I've been out around the country recently in a number of states filling some speaking engagements. When you do this, you usually meet members of the press who have a question or two. Of late, those questions have had to do with my remarks about the proposed energy legislation and why I don't buy the CIA report quoted by the president, which has us running out of oil in about 30 years. Well, it's true. I don't buy that report. And if the president does, then isn't his plea for conservation to reduce consumption by 10% rather futile? If all the oil is going to be gone in 30 years, does it really make much difference if we make it last 33? I don't believe it'll be gone in 30 or 33 years. In 1914, the United States Bureau of Mines projected future production of crude oil at 5.7 billion barrels. Since then, we've produced 34 billion. Incidentally, about that same time, we were told there was no hope of ever finding oil in Texas or Kansas. In 1920, we were told we'd be out of oil in 15 years. 19 years later, in 1939, the Department of Interior told us we'd run out in 13 years. Since then, we've discovered more than the total known oil reserves we had at that time. In 1948, the proven reserves in all of the free world amounted to 62.3 billion barrels. Within 24 years, there were nine times as many. In 1949, our Department of Interior said the end of the United States oil supply was in sight. We increased production in the next five years by a million barrels a day. 
By 1970, known world reserves were six times as large as they were in 1950. To digress for a moment, this holds true for virtually all the minerals our advanced industrial economy depends on. To give just a few examples, known reserves of iron between 1950 and 1970 increased 1,321%, chrome, 675%, copper, 279%, and phosphates, 4,430%. To get back to oil reserves, they had increased 507%. Significantly, and contrary to much of what is being said, the amount of proven reserves is increasing faster than the rate of consumption. The National Academy of Engineering explains that U.S. oil reserves discovered to date total 430 billion barrels, but low-cost conventional technology will only get 140 billion barrels out of the ground. This leaves more than twice that much, 290 billion barrels, much of which can be recovered by more expensive techniques if the government will allow the price of oil to respond to market demands. Seven years ago, we were producing 9.6 million barrels every day. Now we're only pumping 8.1. The decline is caused by restrictions imposed by government. Having reduced production, the government now proposes that we reduce consumption. For 25 years, every 1% rise in price resulted in a 4% increase in the supply of gasoline. Why don't we try the free market again? This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening. So, back to the OPEC cartel, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, and how Biden's administration's actions have pushed OPEC to its current policy. As you know, the administration has been draining the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is meant to act as an emergency buffer in the event of oil supply cutoffs. The reserve is down by half since President Biden took office, from 638 million barrels in January 2021 to 371 million today. That's just over 18 days' worth of oil at a time when our national security concerns are growing. So why do it? Well, after two years of strangling domestic production while driving inflation with out-of-control spending, the Biden administration had to keep oil prices low enough to salvage the midterm elections for the Democrats. And flooding reserves into the market did that temporarily. Now, regarding the latest move from OPEC and Russia. Before the midterms, listen, yes, before the midterms, the White House had promised to stop the drawdowns immediately after the elections and then refill if prices got too low specifically when oil prices reached around $67 to $72 per barrel. This promise to refill was like a price floor on oil, reassuring OPEC that they could keep pumping despite a slowing world economy, which would normally depress oil prices. But in late March this year, the administration flipped, broke the promise. They decided to keep draining the reserve, no doubt delighting green activists who want the U.S. to decarbonize in favor of unreliable and expensive wind and solar energy. According to the Financial Times of London, it was precisely this policy flip that drove Saudi Arabia to consider cuts, leading OPEC to replace Mr. Biden's broken promise with a deal to impose their own floor on oil prices by slashing production. The timing couldn't be worse because the White House has spent years strangling domestic production, like 
blocking pipelines for cheap oil from Canada and North Dakota, blocking exploration on 16 million acres, and even threatening oil companies with bankruptcy and their executives with jail. Hardly an ideal strategy for eliciting new investment in production. So right after this short message, let's listen to Ronald Reagan's commentary on OPEC and a possible strategy for dealing with OPEC. We'll be right back. The Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation is the nonprofit organization created by President Reagan himself and specifically charged by him with continuing his legacy and sharing his principles, individual liberty, economic opportunity, global democracy, and national pride. We must remain vigilant and work together to share these conservative principles with younger generations. Your role is critical to move our mission forward. Thank you for your continued support. Please visit reaganfoundation.org give. That's reaganfoundation.org give. Now, back to the story of OPEC and America's predicament. In raw numbers, the effort to strangle oil production knocked production down by a third, compared with the Trump-era trend, about 4 million barrels a day. For scale, Saudi Arabia produces only 9 million barrels. Republicans just last spring introduced legislation to reverse this decline and replace more OPEC oil with domestic production. So what's next for regular Americans? These production cuts will lead to higher prices for gasoline, for heating fuel, well, really for everything, since energy goes into everything, factories, delivery trucks, electric bills, groceries. And what were Ronald Reagan's wise words from January 1979 on OPEC? Let's listen. It's easy to get mad at the OPEC nations when they raise the price of oil, but maybe we should get mad at ourselves. I'll be right back. The OPEC oil producers have told us the price of oil is going up, and our energy agency has informed us that will call for an increase at the gasoline pump. But before we call them greedy monsters, guilty of adding to inflation, let me play the devil's advocate. OPEC oil is priced in American dollars. In the last few years, our dollar has been going down in value relative to more stable currencies such as the West German mark and the Japanese yen. And guess what? The actual price of oil for Germany and Japan has been going down. It's pretty obvious that if $14 will buy a barrel of oil, but 14 American dollars now are only equal to a lesser number of marks or yen, then the Germans and Japanese are getting their oil at a lower price. The OPEC nations have to up the number of dollars they get just to stay even. And it is we who are responsible for reducing the value of the dollar. Now that's only a small part of our foolishness. With some plain common sense, we could break up the OPEC monopoly. Item number one, there are vast quantities of natural gas available in the United States. If our own government regulations did not stand in the way of it being produced, this untapped natural gas would break the back of the OPEC cartel. A deplorable tragedy was preventable and unnecessary in the bitter winter of 1976-77. There was cold and discomfort in homes, but even worse was the loss of jobs, production, and income as industry had to shut down for lack of fuel. We'd been warned in 1974 that we were in danger of running out of natural gas. Part of the problem is that deeper wells must be drilled. It costs $3 million to drill a 20,000-foot well in Texas. Offshore wells can be drilled for a million, but it takes several years to get them into production. 
These harder-to-get-at gas deposits cannot be delivered to the pipelines for the price the government allows them to charge. So that gas is neither drilled nor delivered. You can't sell a pencil for a nickel if it costs a dime to make it. Right now in my own state, California, a shortage of natural gas exists and it's getting worse. If we substitute coal or oil, we aggravate an already serious smog problem. It is estimated that California could lose 800,000 jobs by 1981 because of reduced gas supplies. We're currently buying liquefied natural gas from Indonesia for $3.50 per thousand cubic feet. A study by the government's own Energy Research and Development Agency tells us that at three and a quarter and below, there is enough natural gas available for hundreds of years. This study was done in 1974 and nothing has been done about it. The magic word is decontrol of the wellhead price. It would take about five years lead time to get much of this production underway and we'll have shortages for those five years. This wouldn't have been true if we'd gotten underway in 1974, but decontrol now and production of the gas available in our own land would literally break up the OPEC cartel. What are we waiting for? This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening. Of course, these words were penned by Ronald Reagan almost 50 years ago. Today, as a result of the Biden administration's policies, paired with ongoing banking and inflation concerns at home, OPEC's move could erode the dollar's 80-year dominance of global financial markets. And finally, the OPEC move complicates the Federal Reserve's task of negotiating down inflation while trying to stamp out banking problems caused, ultimately, by Washington's unwillingness to rein in federal spending. But when Ronald Reagan was president, things were going in the right direction in 1986. The president had been in office five years. Let's listen. One piece of good news deserves special mention, the dramatic drop in oil prices. When our administration took office, we at once decontrolled de the price of oil. Some predicted this would send gas prices at the pump through the roof. Not so. The production of oil and other fuels increased, putting pressure on the OPEC oil cartel. Today, the OPEC cartel has been dramatically undercut, and oil prices have collapsed from about $34 per barrel in 1982 to about $13. Some are having to make a difficult adjustment to these new lower prices. But overall, less expensive oil represents a tremendous boon to our economy. Already, you're beginning to pay less for petroleum products of all kinds, including heating oil and gasoline. Isn't it good to be able to put a gallon of gas in the car for less than a dollar again? Oh, those were the days. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. For more information on the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, including information on how to become a member, information on upcoming exhibits at the Reagan Library, and more information on the legacy of President Reagan, please visit reaganfoundation.org. And don't forget to like and follow the Reagan Foundation on all social media platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the Words to Live By podcast in your iTunes or Google Play stores and on other podcast platforms as they become available. New episodes of Words to Live By come out every Tuesday. Like what you hear? Check out our A Reagan Forum podcast featuring great speeches delivered at the Reagan Library. New episodes drop every Thursday. And... Don't forget to follow at Ronald Reagan on Facebook, at Ronald Reagan 40 on Twitter, 
and Reagan Foundation on YouTube. Also, search for us on SoundCloud and Stitcher.